All right. What's going on, y'all? How are you doing? Hello, hello. I see you, YouTube. <laughs> What's going on? Let me get my little lo-fi cozy winter music going. <clears throat> Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Got an interesting topic tonight. We're going to be getting into the Bible, so get those out if you have them. Pull up your app. Get your Bible out. Follow along. Open up to page one and or page two. That's where we're going to be. So welcome in. I am Jonathan Corey. Find and follow me on all the social networking apps and places and stuff. Um, streaming sites, the podcast apps, you know the deal by now. Send this to people, share it around, spread the word. Um, I appreciate it. Um, send me uh, topics you want me to cover or guests that you want to come on the show this year. And if you want to hit me up live tonight or live on my streams on these Monday nights that I stream and do like a call in and either like a little mini debate or discussion on whatever I'm talking about, feel free. Come in the live chat, hit me up, write a comment, join my Discord, and then I'll like buzz you in. I'll like uh, join the Discord and get you ringed in and plugged in to the live stream. If you want to, uh, you know, if you're cool and chill and you want to talk about something cool and chill, you know, I don't know if I'm just going to entertain like every single troll in the world, but you know, that could be fun too. Tonight, y'all, tonight we're talking about authority. <laughs> if you haven't read the title already, authority, um, we're going to be reading from the Bible. So again, pull those out, get those ready, load it up. And I hope you enjoy what I have to say about all this. Um, let me know in the comments section, wherever you're watching or listening to this, what you think about it. Um, you know, either your hate, <laughs> your hate mail or your agreements, you know, let me hear about it. I want all the smoke. I'll take all the heat. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. So right on, get your Bibles out, get ready. We're diving in. We're diving into the word. Open up to Genesis three. That's where we're going to start. Um, going to be the first or second page of your bible it's the sixth page of my bible because there's some introductions and stuff but we're going to be reading from genesis 3 but first but first i post this on social media got some pushback got some hate got some trolls but it's true it's the topic tonight you'll see and understand shortly you will obey god or you will suffer the consequences you will obey God or you will suffer the consequences. And I guess before we really dive into it, the shirt, shout out to my girlfriend for the shirt. Be the man you were called to be. Man up. <laughs> Not really a shirt I'd wear around often, you know, but my girlfriend got it to me. I appreciate it. I love her. And she wanted me to wear it at least once in my stream. So I'm doing that for her. Um, I'm manning up and <laughs> doing what my girl says, doing what my girl asks of me, you know. She does enough of uh, what I tell her to do, you know. There's at least sometimes where I have to give some back, right? The problem I have with it, like, I don't like wearing shirts with words and quotes and logos anyways. I usually just wear, like, blank colored shirts. I always have. I always will. I don't like, like, band t-shirts and stuff, really. 
I wear mountain folk, like I wear like my friend's stuff, and like I'm wearing this tonight because it's like my girlfriend got it for me, and it's meaningful to her, you know. I wear it once in a while. <laughs> I'll wear it for a purpose. But I just like simple stuff. Simple patterns, simple colors, no words, no promos. I don't like to be like a walking billboard for stuff. The only thing you probably see me on my, on my streams and stuff wearing is Mountain Folk, which is my good friend's company, which is like an awesome company doing cool stuff. Mountainfolk.shop, M-T-N-F-O-L-K.shop. He's going to be sending me a cool uh, sweatshirt that says Tennessee is lame, don't move here. So you'll see that on the stream. You'll see like where it's like a buffalo and a, a bear and stuff. Um, so that's like the only stuff I wear is like stuff that's meaningful. And I don't even really wear it that often. I usually just wear it on streams or um, once in a while I'll wear it out, you know. What's going on, Jedi Master? Thanks for tuning in. So again, let's get into it. Get your Bibles out. Pull up your apps, get the, get the book out. I have mine, you know mine, the Orthodox Study Bible. I'm not an Orthodox, I just love this study Bible. I think it's the best in the world. I think it's the one of the best translations. It's not KJV only, sorry, uh, KJV, K, KJV, KGV onlyists. Uh, it's an NKGV. Um, it's the closest thing, I think. Still not great from what I hear, but it's the closest translation to the pure authentic, genuine, greatest and only true translation that is the KJV only. Uh, <laughs> it's the closest thing to it. And I just like the orthodox perspective on things. I like using like discernment and my own judgment to kind of sift through some of the stuff. And I like their perspective on things. I think they have a very beautiful approach in a lot of ways. But we're not getting into the study aspect of it. We're going to read Genesis 3 in this translation. There's a page here, a special page here they have dedicated to ancestral sin. We're going to read that when we're done talking about reading and talking about Genesis 3. And then we're going to be getting into Genesis 4, and you'll see why. And again, the topic, the, the theme of tonight is authority. And again, you will obey God or you will suffer the consequences. Remember that. Know that. Understand that. You will obey God. You will. Or you will suffer the consequences. It's one or the other. So question, before we get into the text. Question you'll hear often. Why is the world so broken? And the answer is sin. Right? Simple enough. Sin is why the world is so broken. And sin is basically just a rebellion in the human heart against God's authority his existence, and his right ways. An act of disobedience to our true and rightful authority. After our all-knowing, all-powerful God created everything in existence and called it good and very good in Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman that God made, decided to make choices that would change the course of humanity forever, for the worse, temporarily. So again, get your Bibles out, turn to page one, page two, whatever it is in your Bible. It's going to be one of the first few pages. It's the first book, Genesis, and it's the third chapter. And we're going to read. The fall of mankind. Now the serpent was more cunning than all the wild animals the Lord God made on earth. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat from every tree of the, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, 
we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. But from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not die by death, for God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like gods, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree beautiful to contemplate, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of the two were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Then they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden that afternoon. And Adam and his wife hid themselves within the tree in the middle of the garden from the presence of the Lord God. So the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Adam, where are you? And he replied, I heard your voice as you were walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Thus he said, Who said you were naked? Have you eaten from the one tree from which I commanded you not to eat? Then Adam said, The woman you gave me gave me of the tree, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Thus the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than all the wild animals of the earth. On your breast and belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall be on guard for his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and your groaning, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your recourse will be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you heeded the voice of your wife and ate from the one tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground in your labors. In toil shall you eat from it all the days of your life. But both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from which you were taken. Earth you are, and to earth you shall return. So Adam called his wife's name Life, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. Lest, now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of pleasure to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he cast out Adam and made him dwell opposite the garden of pleasure, 
He then stationed the cherubim and the fiery sword, which turns every way to guard the way of the tree of life. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Did God really say? The devil always wants you to question God's word. Yeah. The first trick that Satan ever pulled was making man question if that's really what God said. Is that really the truth? Is that really what God wants you to do? Yeah, we're getting into it. Yeah, disobeying God equals sin and sin equals hell. Yeah. And hell equals a disconnection from God. Rebel against God, you will be disconnected from him and you will live in hell. You will die. Um, yeah, I love this translation overall. I love this study Bible, but when it uses words like, um, just wanted to point this out, his wife's name, Life. It's like, yeah, but it's Eve. <laughs> like every other translation would use the word Eve, Eve instead of life. And then uh, the Garden of Pleasure instead of the Garden of Eden. So I don't know what's up with that, but <laughs> you get it. So <clears throat> following that, this is where we are first introduced to temptation in the timeline of existence, right? After creation, after everything was created, this is where we are first introduced to temptation with the first man and the first woman. We are first introduced to temptation and disobedience and sin, like you're saying in the chat, Jedi, in the timeline of man and creation altogether. And we are shown the consequences. James writes in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Adam and Eve were tempted by the evil one to disobey their Lord. And when they gave in and chose to rebel against their right authority, they suffered the consequences of pain, suffering, and death. John of Patmos, the one who Jesus loved most, wrote in his first epistle to the church at Ephesus, that temptations fall into three categories, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In the Garden of Eden, we see Eve, or life, as it says in my translation. <laughs> we see Eve, the first woman, struggling with all three. Uh, Genesis 3, 6 reads, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Their decisions to yield to temptation and engage in sin changed not only their lives and brought about death for them, but it changed the lives of all of their descendants, you and me and everyone else, then, now, and in the future and brought about a death for us all in sin. The serpent, the one who was made cunning and crafty and deceptive, chose to lead Eve into disobedience against her authority and into rebellion against her creator. <clears throat> and like you're saying in the chat, uh, Jedi, 
His scheme was simple. <laughs> it was very simple and very effective. Cause her to question the truth behind God's commands and seek personal gain for herself at the expense of doing what is right. Doing for oneself instead of doing what they are told to do and what is best for them and what is right in, in the bigger picture of things. The serpent mixed truth with error as the eyes of Adam and Eve were opened and they did acquire a fuller understanding of good and evil. And the pair did not surely die immediately following the consumption of the forbidden fruit. However, the death that God predicted was the payment for sin. The first lie, again, yeah. <laughs> the first lie, the great lie given to man is that there is no punishment for disobedience. But the Bible again and again and again makes it clear that no one can get away from their sin. Disobedience brings death, not instantly, but surely. The serpent was a liar. God's commands had a just reason for existing, and yet Eve and then eventually her husband chose to disobey their rightful authority, their provider and protector, and their creator, to seek for themselves instead. And they suffered the consequences in time, as did we all. <clears throat> Sorry, all of a sudden getting raspy in coffee. <clears throat> the woman who's named Life, I guess. <laughs> the woman named Eve followed her senses rather than God's instructions and ate the fruit. Her husband then joined her without speaking up or acting against her disobedience. He joined her in the disobedience. The woman and the man both ignored their calling their responsibilities and disobeyed their Lord, becoming equally culpable for the first sin of many. They then foolishly tried to hide their disobedience from the Lord. But obviously that foolish attempt was seen and understood by the one who knows and sees all. God calls to them and asks, where are you? And Adam responds, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Not willing to let Adam's guilt go unnoticed, God questioned, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? This final question is important to this overall exchange. For unlike God's earlier questions, which solicited general information, in this interrogation, God becomes prosecutor. But rather than charge the man with transgression, God allows the man to acknowledge his crime. Thus, this question urges confession rather than condemnation. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> unfortunately, Adam's confession was more like an accusation. Instead of repenting of sin and asking for forgiveness, he deflected the blame and said, the woman whom you, you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. 
It's not my fault. It's your fault for giving me this woman. And she's the one who gave it to me. I just followed in her disobedience, right? When God then asked the woman about the sin, she followed Adam's example, as women do. They follow the example set by men. She followed Adam's example and passed the blame on to the serpent. Now, because God is righteous, he cannot allow sin to go unpunished. Consequently, he addressed the rebellion of Adam and Eve right after addressing the serpent and punishing it physically and spiritually. For her sin, Eve was told her pain in childbearing would greatly increase. Her desire shall be for her husband, and yet he shall rule over her. This applied to her personally and to all the women that were to follow from her. Adam's punishment included the increased difficulty of his work. The days of his life in this place would be numbered, and he would return to the dust that formed him originally. He would encounter death and eternal damnation due to his unforgiveness, his unbelief, and his disobedience. He and all the men that followed from him would be forced to struggle on this earth in their work, which is promised to be not enjoyable or easy. Men will now be in constant battle with creation for survival. Where are my dudes at? <laughs> is that true? Where are my dudes at? You know? Can I get an amen in the chat? <laughs> Although the devil does not tempt us exactly as the serpent tempted Eve, he still walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Rather than yielding to the temptations placed before us, we must resist him steadfast in faith. We will be tempted in the same three areas he utilized to tempt Eve. But thankfully, we do not have to yield. There will always be a way of escape. We simply have to seek it. There is always a chance offered to all to end their rebellion against God and avoid the death deserving of such behaviors. It is found in repentance, forgiveness, faith, and obedience to the one who deserves it, <clears throat> to our authority. Hell literally came to earth in the form of a serpent, and because of Adam and Eve's choices, creation became cursed. But the good news is that Jesus is the slayer of serpents, the conqueror of death, the light for the lost, the sight for the blind, the savior for the fallen, and he reigns and rules over all creation, then, now, and forevermore. The solution to our sin problem is found in the sacrifice of the one who was perfect, and we must strive to serve and obey and correct and forgive and love like he did. <laughs> Thanks for the amen in the chat. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, they died spiritually at that moment. 
Girlfriend's in the chat. I'm wearing your shirt. <laughs> I'm being obedient to my authority. I'm not going to joke about that. I, I am your authority, and I'm doing you a favor by wearing your shirt for you. Appreciate that. <laughs> the only one I am obedient to is the one that I serve humbly, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Eve was fooled. Adam disobeyed knowingly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's true though. Yeah, you're the only her authority when you get married. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Her dad is is currently my girlfriend's rightful authority. You know, until that day when I take her away from her dad, make her mine, become one flesh, and she is to submit to me as I am to submit to Christ, and I am to be her head as Christ is to be my head. And submission, and this top, these topics keep coming up in all of my life over and over and over again, like the last two weeks. Submission is not a bad thing, guys. <laughs> We're going to get into that. That's kind of the point of this whole stream overall, too. But this idea that, like, women must submit to their husbands, you know, the modern cultural people, the secular world wants to take that and make it seem like we're slave drivers. Like men just want to be slave masters over their woman and control them and whip them around and make them obey their every command and control their every move. And it's like, no, because men are also to submit to Christ. And it's not some evil thing. It's a glorious good thing. It's good for us to submit to a higher authority. Someone who knows all, is all powerful, who created us, who knows us better than we know ourselves, you know? The submission is not an evil, bad, mean word. It's just a fact of reality that we need to humble ourselves before our, our authority, obey him, follow him, give in to him and his will because it's better and greater than ours. And the same goes for the woman, right? The woman is to submit to her husband because the man has been specifically and uniquely designed to lead her doesn't make him necessarily better than her. It doesn't mean he has the authority to just like abuse her and take advantage of her. Um, <clears throat> and also this only applies to those who are righteous and those who are seeking God. A woman should not be submitting to a man who's not submitting to Christ, right? There is a chain of authority. There is God, Christ, man, woman, children. And if that man is not looking up and obeying Christ, then that woman should not be looking up and obeying that man. She should be bypassing that man and going right to Christ. Otherwise, she will be led astray. And that's the problem with society today. We have too many men who have abandoned their responsibilities and their leadership roles. They've given up righteous living, righteous ways of life. They've abandoned their faith in God, their trust in God, and they've disobeyed God. And as a result, we have a lot of lost and broken women. And you can point to those women all you want and call them names and blame them, try to blame them for stuff. The reality at the end of the day is that men have abandoned their place in the order. And women at this point, in general, bigger picture, should not be submitting to these men, right? That's why we must rebuild the men. It's important that we get men to truly start humbly submitting to their Lord and Savior, returning to God in his right ways, and being righteously masculine men. And when that happens, then women should be obeying men. We can't just keep pointing and yelling at women to submit to us, men, if we are not submitting to Christ, truly and honestly. 
right? I, mean, I could, I could, we'll be doing, we'll be doing streams this year on this topic. So I'll, I'll end it there. But it is this topic. It's authority. Who is your authority? And a woman's authority is a man of God, not a secular, worldly man who's just out for his own pleasure and his own status and his own earthly um, gain. You know. <clears throat> Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the well wishes, Jedi Master. Were you talking about great name? Are you talking about Corey? If so, I agree. Great name. Oh, yeah. In the Bible, the wives call their husband Lord. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, if men acted like that... <laughs> <laughs> the world wouldn't be as as lost and broken as it is, right? It's always going to happen. This is always going to happen because sin has infiltrated our, us. And we're going to get into this right now, right? We're going to get into this today. Um, I'm going to read Ancestral Sin, <laughs> this whole page that explains the fall and what sin is here in my, uh, again, Orthodox Study Bible. But, um, yeah, if men weren't seeking rebellion against God, the world would be a much better place, right? Women wouldn't be so lost and broken. A great name, yeah. Call, you want to be a homestead wife, yeah. Why it is so important to choose a godly wife and husband, yeah. Yeah, you should not be. <laughs> Like this whole idea of like I'll marry someone that's uh, not a righteously masculine man or not a righteously feminine woman, um, I'll I'll change her, I'll fix her, you know. And no, it's not going to happen. Only the Lord will fix her. Only a change of heart inside, in a connection with God, will be the thing that changes you. Encountering Christ and being transformed as a result—that's the only thing that's going to fix a man or a woman. And if you're a godly woman. Don't settle for a godless man. It's not going to work. Sorry, I don't care how hot he is or how attractive he is or how he makes you feel. It will not work. Um, it might for a year or a couple years. It will not work in the long run here on earth and it won't work in your eternity. For eternity. For forever after. So let's read this because I feel like I'm running in circles now. <laughs> and we're going to get to these topics too. That's the point of this whole stream is authority. And our rebellion against authority and the consequences that result, right? So this is called Ancestral Sin. It's like a special unique page from the study Bible. And it reads, in the Old Testament account of creation. Sorry, this is like a smaller text. So I might be making some mistakes here. In the Old Testament account of creation, God created mankind and established a place for him called paradise or Eden, the Garden of Eden. And he also gave him a commandment regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded Adam saying, you may eat food from every tree in the garden, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat. And for in whatever day you eat from it, you shall die by death. <clears throat> in that Adam and Eve did not physically die the day they ate from the tree, the words you shall die indicate a spiritual death through separation from God. 
Ancestral sin is the disobedience of Adam to God's command regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam willingly disobeyed this commandment and diverted himself or fell from God's path to perfection, thus separating himself from his creator, the source of life. What are the consequences of this fall? One, the fall of Adam caused mankind to become subject to mortality. While this is often seen mainly as a punishment or penalty, the emphasis concerning God's judgments on Adam and Eve at the fall is best understood in terms of his mercy. So, for example, concerning man's mortality, St. Gregory the theologian states, Yet here too he provides a benefit, namely death, which cuts off sin, so that evil may not be everlasting. Thus, his punishment is changed into mercy. 2. We, are, we who are of Adam's race are not guilty because of Adam's sin, but because of our own sin. However, because all of mankind fell away from the grace of God through Adam's disobedience, man now has a propensity, a disposition, an inclination towards sin. Because just as death entered the world through sin, now sin enters through fear of death. 3. Mankind's strong propensity to commit sin reveals that in the fall, the image of God in man is also fallen. However, the ancient fathers emphasize that the divine image in man has not been totally corrupted or obliterated. Human nature remains inherently good after the fall. Mankind is not totally depraved. People are still capable of doing good, although bondage to death and the influences of the devil can dull their perception of what is good and lead them into all kinds of evil. For Adam's fall not only brought mortality and sin into the world, but also sweat, toil, hunger, thirst, weariness, sorrow, pain, suffering, sickness, tribulations, tragedy, and tears. And five, even after the fall, the intellectual, desiring, and insensitive, uh, which means, I guess, forceful or driving aspects of the soul are natural and therefore neutral. They can be used in a good way or in a bad, harmful way. For instance, desire is very good when one directs it towards God. But when desire is out of control, one may use it in very inappropriate ways, such as becoming gluttonous or desiring another person's spouse. The classic analogy is that these powers of the soul are like iron, which can be made into a plow to help grow food, or into a sword that to be used to kill someone. Christ, by his death and resurrection, conquered the devil and death, freeing mankind from the fear of death, and making possible a more complete communion between God and man than was ever possible before. This communion allows people to become partakers of the divine nature, to transcend death, and ultimately all the consequences of the fall. Now we're going to get to that.
And we're going to get to that. <laughs> so turn the page. We were in Genesis 3. And we're getting into Genesis 4. It's a good one. So again, this is probably going to be page 3 or 4 of your Bible. 2, 3, or 4 of your Bible. Genesis 4. Cain kills Abel. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man through God. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a shepherd of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now in the process of time, Cain brought a sacrifice to the Lord from the fruits of the ground. Abel also brought a sacrifice from the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his sacrifices. So Cain was extremely sorrowful and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you extremely sorrowful and why has your countenance fallen? Did you not sin even though you brought it rightly, but did not divide it rightly? Be still. His recourse shall be to you, and you shall rule over him. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then God said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He replied, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Thus God replied, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You will be groaning and trembling on the earth. Then Cain said to the Lord, My guilt is too great to be forgiven. Surely, you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be groaning and trembling on the earth. Then it will happen. If anyone finds me, he will kill me. So the Lord God said to him, Not so. Whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Thus the Lord set a sign on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod opposite Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad begot Mahujiel. This is one of these names are crazy. Mahujiel, J.L. And Mahujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech, and Lamech took two wives for himself. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal, and was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he is the one who invented the psaltery and harp. As for Zillah, she also bore Tubal Cain, a smith and manufacturer of bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah, 
Then Lamech said to his wives Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, and listen carefully to my words. Because I killed a man for wounding me, and a young man for hurting me, if Cain shall avenge sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Again, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Seth, saying, God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. As for Seth, to him also a son was born. He named him Enosh, and he hoped in the Lord God and called upon his name. There's like a lot of gravy in there, and it's pretty confusing. We're not going to dive into um, Cain's family. <laughs> There's a lot there that's pretty, pretty powerful, cool stuff that people tend to just gloss over because it's confusing and the names are weird, right? But let's talk about this. Genesis 4. <clears throat> when Adam and Eve violated God's law and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, consequences followed, right? God not only assigned various punishments to both the man and the woman, but also forced them to leave the perfect environment that was Eden. Sin and sorrow would not be the only things to enter the new world. For Eve, the mother of all living, according to Adam, would have children, regardless of how painful or difficult that task may have been for her. And although God was forcing mankind to leave Eden, he was not leaving them. We see this as we continue on in the earliest stages of humanity and encounter the first offspring of the first man and woman and the conflict that then resulted between them. And regardless of the events that transpired between Cain and Abel and the deaths and punishments that followed, God still cares for and provides for his people and made sure to give Eve another chance to fulfill her command to be fruitful and multiply, giving her another son named Seth in the end. But Adam and Eve's first two sons are recorded in the Bible for all who were to come after to know about for a very important reason. These sons, Cain and Abel, maintained a belief in God and presented offerings to him despite their exile from the Garden of Eden. But one disobeyed. He rebelled, and he paid a great price for doing so. Abel became a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Neither of those occupations is intrinsically superior to the other, and Adam himself likely engaged in both of these occupations during his time maintaining and working the garden and all of creation. Some people like to make the comparison of the two professions and saying one's better than the other or whatever. There's a lot of theories about the, you know, the meaning of the occupations, the symbolism of the occupations. But we are actually not led to believe in any way that one is intrinsically superior to the other, right? However, the point here is that Abel offered the best of his flock in humble faith and God accepted him for doing so. The offering of the firstborn of his flock exhibited faith that God would provide for the birth of more animals later on, and the fat of the animal was seen as the richest and most desirable part, 
displaying esteem and respect that Abel truly held in his heart for the Lord. His heart was truly trusting and truly obedient to his Lord, to his authority. But Cain's attitude was arrogant, his life unrighteous, and therefore God rejected him for that. He tried to cheat his way into privilege and cut corners to get ahead. He became sad and jealous as a result of not being able to cheat his authority and gain personally at the expense of his Lord. He simply brought some of his harvest, signaling that his offering was done out of habit and that his heart was focused on keeping for himself the rest of the harvest. Since the attitude and conduct of the offerer was more important than the gifts themselves, God told Cain that if he wanted to be accepted and rewarded, he would have to overcome the sin that threatened to destroy him. But the rebellious nature of his heart, left unconfessed and unrepented for, led him into disobedience and selfishness. His sin, his rebellion against the one who rightfully deserved his obedience, led him into his own destruction. He failed to overcome his fallen state. He did not attempt to resolve the situation. He had a decision to make, improve his efforts or continue on without change and allowing an opening for sin to enter and take hold of his life. Unfortunately for him, Cain chose the latter option and killed Abel when the opportunity arose. Rather than repenting, apologizing for what he did wrong, and seeking to correct his unfaithfulness and his disobedience, he sinks deeper into sin by luring his brother out into the field and then killing him. He commits the first murder, an act made more heinous by the fact that the victim was his own brother, his own flesh and blood. Like his parents before him, Cain attempted to hide his sinful behavior from God. But the one who knows all things was obviously aware of what Cain had done. And again, God confronts him, asking him to be honest and possibly repent again for his wrongdoings, his disobedience, his sinful actions. And instead, <laughs> of course, instead... Cain decides to conceal his sin. He tries to hide, like, like his father did, and even responds with a sort of accusation against his Lord, like his father did, by asking who the real keeper of his brother was. It appears as if he is blaming God, saying, you are the keeper, that's your job, not mine. <laughs> You're responsible for him, not me. Even though I'm the one disobeying and I'm the one taking action to end his life, you should have been the one responsible for protecting him. Which is, again, similar to his father's response of, the woman you gave me. <laughs> you gave me this woman. It's not my responsibility to watch over and care for her. You should have been doing that, God. These first men disobeyed their rightful authority. And when confronted and given the chance to take ownership over their misguided, selfish, unfaithful, foolish behaviors, they instead chose to deflect 
hide, blame others, and even attempted to blame God himself for what they did. All that was needed, all these guys could have done, all that was needed from them was a change of heart, an act of genuine repentance, a turning away from their sinful behaviors. These men needed to humble themselves before their rightful authority, who they disobeyed and rebelled against. And in their failure to do so, they suffered just consequences. You will obey your God or you will suffer the consequences, right? Then, when Cain is given his punishment and he hears the sentence given to him, he responds by complaining about how harsh it is, right? <laughs> even then, even after the punishment is given, he still is complaining about it. His response shows no remorse over the murder of his brother, only that of self-pity for himself at the results of it all and a resentment toward God. And despite Cain's objection and continued foolishness, God did not lessen the punishment. Cain was forced to depart from Adam and Eve, left not entirely on his own, but provided with some protection in his new life, away from his family and his Lord, in Nod, or Enosh. Enosh. Adam and Eve had another son after this named Seth, who then carried on the family lineage. Abel was dead, and Cain was disqualified from the family inheritance, I guess. <clears throat> And this new son led Eve into giving praise to God for his mercy on them, finding herself grateful and obedient at last to her Lord, even after all of the disobedience that her husband and her son chose to commit. It would seem that the first round is won by the serpent in the murder of righteous Abel, but the gift of Seth ensures that the promise will stay alive through Eve, who is found, after all, to be the mother of all living. Through Seth and then his own son Enosh, Enosh, I think it's Enosh, right? Men began to call on the name of the Lord and seemed to learn their lesson for a time about disobeying their rightful authority. Here there seems to be a desire and an authentic attempt by humanity to reestablish a relationship with the Lord that had been lost in the fall and in the first stages after the expulsion from Eden. This stands in stark contrast with the line of Cain. Since the line of Seth and Enosh, Enosh is given in genealogical form going forward, it seems likely that the two lines are being distinguished from one another. Cain's line is ambiguous at best, while Seth's line leads to the godly Enosh, Enosh and the blameless Noah, and then eventually down to David, and then on to, da on to Jesus. As the object of our worship, God has the right to, to direct our efforts. He is justified in accepting the worship of those who follow his prescribed plan and rejecting the worship of those who do as they desire. 
Whether or not Cain's offering was rejected because it was given out of an obligation rather than true sacrifice, Abel's offering was certainly accepted because he acted by faith. His heart was in the right place. He obeyed his authority. When an individual responds to God by faith, they do as the Lord instructs. And biblical faith always has three components. First, God speaks. Second, man hears. Third, man obeys. God speaks, man hears, man obeys. Those who obey are rewarded, praised, blessed, and granted eternal life. Those who disobey are punished, cursed, abandoned, and enter into eternal damnation. God's statement to Cain in Genesis 4-7 reminds us all of our personal responsibility. We have the ability to do what is right, always. We have the ability to do what is right, always. When we do, God accepts us. If, however, we choose to rebel against God, we sin, and we suffer the consequences for doing so. But there is always time to repent and ask for forgiveness when we find ourselves in that state of rebellion. We can always choose to turn away from our sin and seek to be sanctified and made anew until it is too late, <laughs> until that day of death does finally come, right? We can always choose to turn away from our sin and seek to be sanctified and made anew. Um. <laughs> Demon Hunter Bear coming hot in the chat says, would it be fair to call Cain the first beta? I wish I had like a Jesse, Jesse Lee Peterson sound drop there. Beta. <laughs> beta man. No, I would say Adam's the first beta, right? Debate, debate in the chat, y'all. Everyone in the chat, Life to the Max, Jedi Master, Demon Hunter Bear, my girlfriend. Let's have a quick debate. Who was the first beta? Was it Adam or was it Cain? <laughs> it was definitely one of them, but who was the first? Cain or Adam? I'm going to say Adam. I'm going to say Adam and I'm going to say Cain followed in his footsteps. Abel was trying to overcome. Abel was trying to be like, you know what? My dad messed up. We all, now have to we all now have to suffer the consequences for what my dad foolishly did. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be a better man than my dad ever was. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to trust God fully, completely, with all my heart, all my soul, all my might, all my strength. And then his brother just came with a rock and was like, bam, <laughs> bam. <laughs> the beta came and was like, bam. Which I guess, you know, I mean, is that alpha if you're like rocked to death by your brother? If your beta brother gets the opportunity to like rock you in the face and like end you, is that alpha though, you know? <laughs> there's, there's some good debate material here, guys. Who's, who's, who's really the beta? But what's up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in. Life to the max. Jedi Master. Demon Hunter Bear. What's going on, y'all? O7s. O7s in the chat. Some sins damn you before death, but yeah, for the most part. Um, perhaps Adam would be the first simp, for sure. Yeah. 
But your assessment is logical too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was the first beta in the history of man? Cain definitely was, but um, was Adam the first? Or was it Abel? Is Abel a beta for letting his guard down and being able to get rocked to death? Rocked in his dome, you know? Yeah. That's how I see it. That's how I feel it. Is like Abel was like, he was like, you know, it's kind of like what I'm trying to do, right? I'm like, man, my dad totally failed, right? He, was, he wasn't the worst. He didn't abuse anyone. He didn't hurt anyone. He, you know, it wasn't like really like addicted to anything or he wasn't the worst, right? He still gave birth to three healthy, beautiful children. He kind of raised us right. He kind of like his heart was kind of in the right place. He just failed, right? He just failed at like really truly raising his kids in the right way. So me, I'm like, I'm determined to correct the path. I'm going to be a better man than my dad ever was. I'm going to be a better father than my dad ever was. I'm going to make sure that my kids are, are so much better raised than I was, you know? It's like I'm on a mission. But then, who knows, my brother could come with a rock at any day and just rock me over the head. <laughs> Bam! The beta could come and rock me over the head, you know? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter how good I want to be. It doesn't matter that my intentions were in the right place and my heart was righteous. If you get rocked over the head, you know, it's like your beta brother could just go on to, like, curse <laughs> all of humanity until, you know, another son is born named Seth. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about them to make that claim. Yeah, I don't think we all do. We, any of us do. <laughs> I don't think any of us know about our, our first ancestors, really, truly. We can learn a lot from the truth that is the Bible that tells their story, but we don't have the full story, right? We don't have the true, whole, full story. We just have the important lessons that God wants us to know and understand and learn about. Which is what I'm breaking down here tonight, right? The important things, the important notes to take home. We don't know the whole story. And it's also not our place to judge. You know, at the end of the day, like, it's funny, it's fun to talk, but, like, also it's not our place to judge who was a beta and who wasn't, right? It's funny, it's fun. I mean, I, I think the name-calling stuff can be useful if you're using it in the right way, if you're lighthearted about it and using it with, like, a good, genuine attempt to, like, motivate someone to overcome their fallen state. You're like, man, stop being a beta, dude. Just because you're, like... You, what you really want, like your heart really wants them to be overcoming. You're like seeing weakness and brokenness in them, brokenness in them. You're seeing a rebellion against God in them and you want them to overcome that, repent of what they did wrong, return to God, become obedient again, right? So as long as you're not truly like judging and condemning them, like you're a beta and I hate you for it and you're dumb and you're stupid and I'm going to call you names just to like call you names and make myself feel good. Like, that's so bad and that's so wrong. But if you're like, beta, <laughs> you're a beta with, like, genuine intention to, like, get them to be motivated to, like, be like, you know what? I'm not a beta. Or, you know what? I am a beta and I don't want to be anymore. You're, like, using it as a motivation. Like, like, you know, like calling someone fat. You know, it's like, oh, you're fat because I want to, like, call you fat and make you feel bad. And it makes me feel good to, like, bring you down, right? But if you're like, hey, bro, you're fat, dude. And genuinely, your heart is like, hey, man, you're unhealthy. It's not good for you. And I want you to, like, become healthy. So I'm going to kind of motivate you. I'm going to, like, 
bully you and you know dudes dudes being dudes to each other like jabbing each other you know mocking each other if the intention is like hey man you're fat and i'm gonna mock you because i want you to like not be fat anymore i want you to become healthy like i don't want you to keep suffering so i'm gonna mock you and i'm gonna we're gonna laugh about it or whatever and maybe you'll take offense to it a little bit but hopefully that will like lead to like a motivation to like overcome your fatness right <laughs> like i'm fat really like real talk i'm fat the best thing that i hear is when guys are like yeah you're fat bro look at your tits look at your <laughs> you so fat blah 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 it's like kind of gets under your skin right you're like Ugh. but what are you doing tomorrow morning you're waking up and you're hitting the push-ups you're hitting the sit-ups you know it's like that's the best motivator sometimes for people is that jabbing that mockery and that comes from people who like actually care about you. They're like, hey, bro, stop being so fat because I want you to be healthy. <laughs> yeah, I'm mocking you and laughing at you and whatever. But like it's coming from like a good intention deep down of like you're fat and that's a problem. And I don't want you to have that problem in your life anymore. So overcome that. And the mockery can help motivate people to overcome that. Right. So calling someone a beta, you're like, yeah, hey, stop being a beta, bro. Hey, you're a beta. Stop being a beta. It's like, yeah, man, like you're being weak. Like you have responsibilities and you're abandoning your responsibilities. You're like not taking up the call that God has over you and over your life. You're messing up. You're screwing up. There's people in your life that are like being abandoned and let down and like left behind because of your failures, because of your selfishness. So beta, you know, get your life together, bro. Come on, man up. Be the man that God called you to be. Like it says on the shirt my girlfriend gave you, right? <laughs> mockery does work though says jedi master yeah oh yeah mockery is i mean that's definitely what works for me demon hunter jedi master i went to a local freedom gathering kind of dope <laughs> yeah, hopefully it wasn't the trucker protest um spur them on toward love and good deeds and alpha behavior yeah the end goal should be help them return to god right? Do what needs to be done to return them to God. If it's mockery and jest or if it's motivational speeches or sometimes people do or just respond more like better to like kind words like, hey man, you're looking skinnier. I really think that's good for you. Like, good job. Keep it up. Like, I know you're working hard. Keep working up, man. Keep, keep working out, man. Good for you. Good job. It's like sometimes people need that positive affirmation. And sometimes like people like me just be like, dude, stop being so fat. <laughs> <laughs> you're fat bro stop being that way you lardo you tubby tub tub face <laughs> whatever whatever funny thing the kids will call you these days for being fat um yo mama's so fat that when she sits in a movie theater everyone else is sitting right next to her you know <laughs> insert fat joke here it's like sometimes people need that people like me need that they need to be called a beta to be like you know what i'm not a beta you know what i'm gonna prove to you i'm not a beta I'll show you, you know, or gamma, you know, if you want to break down the social sexual hierarchy and call someone a gamma, like stop being a gamma, bro. I'm not a gamma. Well, yeah, it's something a gamma would do, right? <laughs> so I'm going to show you, I'm going to not be a gamma. And then you like become, you like get yourself on a mission to overcome that fallen state and rise up and become like a Delta or a Bravo. I don't know if you can become an alpha, <laughs> really but you could probably become a pretty good delta or pretty good bravo if you really truly humble yourself and seek to overcome your uh your brokenness your weakness 
your rebellion against God. Bruh, how'd you know I was eating cookies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Beta. <laughs> yeah, bullying creates character. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just, there's different personalities. There's different people. Like, age group has a difference. Culture has a difference. You know, nationality. Like, all there's so many differences in, with, with human beings that can lead, that require different approaches, right? Um, men and women, you know, the things you're going to say to a man to motivate them to, like, overcome is not going to be the same thing you're, like, telling a woman, right? And the vice versa. You can't just, like, tell a woman she's fat and get assume that's going to motivate her. Or she's fat, call her a beta. <laughs> a woman's not going to respond positively to that, you know. But a man most likely will. And then flip that around, you know. It's like, if you're just like really being soft and gentle and being like, it's okay, you're just a little overweight, it's not a big deal. You know, I really think you should maybe go to the gym more often, but you don't have to, it's fine. That's not going to work on a man. Whereas that might work on a woman. That might be what a woman needs to hear. You know, subtle little hints about, you know, I love you. I respect you. It's fine. But <laughs> maybe you should, you know, so there's different approaches, different techniques for every human being based on their life, their, you know, their, their race, their ethnicity, their culture, their upbringing, their experiences, whatever traumas they've experienced in the past. Um, and just where their heart is and where their walk with God is. A lot of different factors that will contribute to a person's personality and what they're going to be responding to or receptive to, you know. And the problem is, yeah, yeah, so true, Jedi Master. The problem is that gammas think they're alphas. Yeah, that's the problem. They think they're alphas, and that is the problem. They're not... <laughs> <laughs> so when you call them a beta, when you call them a gamma, they're like, no, no, I, I'm not that. Not me. You're the gamma. <laughs> You're the beta. Beta. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But right on. O7's in the chat. Thank you guys for tuning in. Send any, I'm going to kind of wrap up my last final thoughts here and then uh, send your comments and questions and I'll get to them. But, I mean, these were good side tangents because it is truly about authority. I mean, all of this is, what is, what is the problem here? You're abandoning your responsibilities. You're abandoning your authority. You're abandoning your, your obligation to obey your authority your righteous, your just authority. And when you start seeking for yourself, when you start being a little gamma and it's like, I want to be in charge. I should be in charge. I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to do what I think is best. You know, that kind of stuff will lead you into disobedience and it will lead you into a separation from God. Right. Aqua woman seven. What's up? <laughs> Hi, bro. What's up? Are you a woman? Are you women don't usually say, Hey bro. <laughs> <laughs> in the chat but what's going on glad you're here yeah obeying authority doesn't just mean you know doing whatever joe biden tells you to do by the way that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about authority 
or, you know, just repeating everything that your preacher says or bowing down to the demands of, you know, just some old guy that runs up on you in the street yelling at you to do something. Sometimes the authority that is in your life personally, like you out there listening, the authority that's in your life over you right now is unjust and unrighteous. And, you know, there are cases where you have no obligation at all to just blindly obey their demands for you or of you. But there are also times and situations in your life where God has indeed placed an orderly, righteous hierarchy of men to make sure you are being guided into the right direction. You are not being disruptive to those around you and making sure that you are becoming a valuable member of your community. When a sheriff pulls you over because you broke the law or, you know, you are to obey and submit to him. When your coach is giving you instructions, you are to obey and submit to him. When your boss tells you to complete an assignment on time, you obey and submit to him. As a child, when your parents tell you to do something around the house, you obey and submit to them. And when God gives you instruction and commands, you obey and submit to him or you suffer the consequences. Our realm and humanity as a whole are designed to function as a hierarchical structure. These systems and people are not perfect because the world is fallen. We are in a fallen state. Our systems and the people around us are not perfect. We, as we are still born into sin and that serpent is still busy leading people away from righteousness and from obedience. But there are still people who are given authority for a reason. And there are times when we must submit to them regardless of our nature to rebel, our natural instincts to rebel. There will be cracks in the hierarchy and evil people will certainly rise up and take over positions of power that are undeserved and dangerous for them to hold. There are always going to be times and places where fallen, sinful people will take over positions of authority. And there are biblically justified times when the faithful are to resist tyranny and wickedness in high places. But when authority in your life is God-ordained, when the hierarchy is composed of righteous people doing righteous things, you are to submit regardless of how it makes you feel or your opinions on the matter. Whether or not you think you deserve to be the one calling the shots or could do a better job in a higher rank. You were placed exactly where you are for a reason right now. And in time, if you are deserving of a more important role in the construction of the Lord's kingdom, he will grant you one. Call back to both of the topics we were talking about earlier of a man submitting, you know, man submitting to Christ and a woman submitting to a man. You were assigned that role for a reason. As a woman, you were made to submit to a man for a reason. There's a purpose to it. It's not mean. It's not evil. It's not to cause you suffering and pain. There's a reason why you must humbly submit to the one who was given authority over you. And as a man, it's not mean and evil that you must submit to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's just you were made and designed for this life and you are called to submit humbly to your authority. Or suffer the consequences. 
<laughs> or suffer the consequences. And then again, gammas, all this gamma behavior of like, I, I want to be in charge. I don't think you should be in charge. I want to be in charge. I think that I will do a better job. Me, 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 me. I, 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 I. I don't care about the fact that there's a righteous man above me. You know, me, I, I want to be in charge. It's like, all right, you're going to suffer the consequences one way or another. You're going to get smacked down by that authority. Or, you know, you might win that battle here and now and become that authority that you so desire and crave to be. But you'll get smacked down eventually. <laughs> oh, you will. Because that sort of authority is granted by showing your obedience. Um, your willingness to serve others and proving that you are determined to do whatever is being asked or whatever is being expected to carry out the will of God is being done right and often. Yeah, what's going on, JP Senso? Thanks for tuning in. Um, I think you messaged me. I'll, I'll check it after the chat. But if not, yeah, let me know when you're going to come on the stream. I want to hear you hear you out. The boys want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> All the dudes want to hear your, your take on some of these interesting things I, I uh, keep seeing you talking about. Yeah, pride. Pride comes before the fall. Obama song lyrics. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, your obedience is first and foremost, always and forever to the Lord your God. You are to obey his commands regardless of the consequences. You are to overcome your fallen state, your sin nature, your open rebellion against his authority and reunite with him spiritually for the eternity that is to come. Repent of what you have done wrong to others. Forgive others for what they have done wrong. Accept Jesus Christ as your savior and place your faith in him entirely. Obey your creator and the ruler of all, not only to avoid the inevitable punishment to come, but to please him, to attain his blessings to give back what he has given to you and to serve and love the one who truly deserves it above all others. And one last reminder, one last reminder again, let this sink in. You will obey God or you will suffer the consequences. You will obey God or you will suffer the consequences. And so this is kind of like part one of maybe a two or three part series we're going to get into, <clears throat> truly, because we're going to cover this whole topic more and then some next week. So stay tuned. Um, we're going to be doing another book review. So we're going to talk about a really, really awesome book <laughs> next week. And, you know, it's about basically in general, the premise is and tune in next week to find out, you know, the whole thing. But basically the, the premise is when it's the proper time for Christians to disobey and resist the authority in their lives. Right. And a quick spoiler, <laughs> quick spoiler, uh, it's never against God and, and or his right ways, you know. 
<clears throat> but there are going to be times when there are men, there are fallen sinful men who are given positions of authority and when it is the right time to obey them and when it is the right time to reject their authority and disobey them. However, it is never wise, smart, just, or correct to rebel against God and his right ways. That is why you're suffering and that is why you're going to die. You know, that is why you're going to live in eternal hell, eternal damnation, eternal separation from your God, your creator, your true Lord, your true authority, unless you repent, forgive, find faith, and obey in him. There are times when we must reject the demands and orders given to us by our fellow men, right? When sinners and wicked souls acquire power over us physically in this world and how we as followers of Christ must stand up, speak out, and act against what is evil, false, and ugly. Um, and so, yeah, next week we're going to talk about how to properly resist godless tyranny and refute the claims of unlimited obedience to civil government, you know? That just mindless, like Romans 13, therefore obey everything that anyone in authority has ever told you to do without question. Romans 13, Romans 13, right? We're going to talk about that next week. Just tune in. Tune into that. It's going to be a good one. Respect is authority. Yeah, most important commandment, 1 John 3, 23. Is that the love the love commandment, the love and the light commandment. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Yeah. I believe first, so if you, if you haven't heard my streams on it, you can go back and listen to, um, forget what I titled it, Who Jesus Loved, I believe is what it's called, my live stream. I talked all about John, John of Patmos and his books. And I think first John is, it's definitely my second favorite book of the Bible. I think every church needs to do a deep dive into first John. If you're starting a Bible study or something, or some kind of like youth group, if you're forming any kind of group of Christians in fellowship, whether it be a church or a youth group or an after school program or like a Bible study, um, Whatever it is, if, if you're like a bunch of Christians that are for the first time coming together and having fellowship in the name of Jesus, you need to be studying and reading 1 John. It is truly the book that basically explains how to form a church and how Christians should have fellowship with one another and how you as a Christian need to be behaving and how you as a Christian need to be interacting with the people around you. It's basically John of Patmos who I believe might be the greatest man who ever lived that's not named Jesus Christ, that isn't Jesus Christ, you know? Um, the one who Jesus loved most for a reason. <laughs> John of Patmos, the guy, the, the man who got it, <laughs> truly got it. Um, he just breaks it down. He's writing to the church at Ephesus who was starting to listen to false teachers. They were starting to like fight each other. They were starting to kind of abandon their faith. And John of Patmos is just smacking some sense into him. Like, get your stuff together, guys. You know, this is how you fellowship. This is what our faith is. This is how you love and serve the Lord. This is what you as a Christian need to do. Get it together, bros. <laughs> so that's First John. It's amazing. 
Um, it's an amazing read. Interesting study. Who does God hate? That's a good question. That's a whole can of worms theologically, right? Can God even hate? Is hate a possibility for God? Whole, whole dang debate there, right? Is anything impossible for God? Is it possible? You know, what does God hate? Who does God hate? You know, does God hate actions or does God hate people? Can he hate people? Can he hate his creation since he called his creation good? There's like 20 different debates in that little question there. <laughs> Who does God hate, right? If you are not saved, read the Gospel of John. It was written to show people how to be saved. Yeah. There are lots of verses when God hates people and actions. Yeah. There's a lot that say he doesn't though, right? There's also a lot that say he can't hate. Or he doesn't hate. I've heard that with a lot of this... I've been really getting into like the deconstructionist Christians and how wicked and evil they are, you know? And a lot of it is um, exactly what we're talking about now. It's, it's Satan's first trick. Satan's first scheme, right? Is that really what God said? Is that really what God thinks? Is that really going to happen? I know God told you that, but is that really what's going to happen? You know, it's this evil manipulation of like, is that what God said? Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, well, at the end of the day, you look up what did God say? You know, that's why I hate this phrase, like, what would Jesus do? Right? What would Jesus do? And so that just leads, you know, and it's popular and people think it's this harmless little phrase. But that opens the door for anyone to like insert and submit their own theories and ideologies and wants and desires. You know, well, I think that Jesus would, I feel like Jesus would. The way I interpret Jesus is this, right? The correct way to phrase that little bumper sticker quote or whatever is what did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? Like, what does God say? What does the Bible say? Not, what do you think this means? Oh, well, I want this to be the case. I just feel like, you know, that's like this, the, the deceptive language of the serpent. <laughs> Is that really what God said? Is that really what God meant? Don't, surely, surely that's not the case. You know, that's these deconstructionist tactics of like, basically tearing down the church and tearing down the Christian faith little subtle topic by topic block by block you know church by church group by group person by person it's just making people question the word of God right and why did I even get into that oh the hate thing because the hate thing is there are verses that say he hates and there's verses that say he can't hate there's verses that say his love is, is for everyone. It's everlasting. It's so big. It's so powerful, you know, and love is the absence of hate. Like there's such like contradictory things. And I don't think you can start picking and choosing one or the other and saying, again, this is like a four hour debate. I'm like walking myself into right now and like 12 different things I want to talk about. But in general, there's just, there's debates about, can God hate? Does he hate? Does God love all? Does Will he love all? Does he love all? I think what you need to do is really study the context and the verses 
in their entirety. And if you really want to ask my opinion and not like my, there's a bunch of debates <laughs> to be had. I think God hates those who have chosen to reject him. Those in active rebellion against God have chosen to separate themselves from God. And I do believe that God hates that. I do believe that God is just like, ah, come on, man. Like I'm right here. My arms are open. Just come home. <laughs> just humble yourself. Just repent. I'm right here. My arms are open for you, bro. Come home. <laughs> like you, I know you want this. Like you have this God shaped hole in your heart and I'm right here for you, bro. So I do think that he hates that people have like chosen to separate themselves from him because I think that he does love people so much. Like he loves and wants us to choose to return to him. And I think that he hates that we are separated and that we are the ones like choosing to be separated from him. But I'm probably wrong. I'm probably be proven wrong. If you can prove me wrong with the word, <laughs> I will humble myself and be proven wrong and admit I am wrong. But I think hate and love is, it's, uh, that's a whole thing, right? That's a whole thing. And I'll just end it there by saying it's a whole dang thing. <laughs> that's like 12 arguments and debates in one. But yeah. If anything, I do think that God hates that we have chosen to reject him. and But that hate is temporary because at any point, that person that he's hating can still choose to overcome that brokenness and return to him. It's like a father opening his arms to his son and being like, come home. You know, the parable, like the, the prodigal son. Just come home, son. Come home. You know, he hates that his son is out there squandering the wealth with prostitutes and eating pig food and whatever. He like hates that his son has left home and is out there just being a sinner, being dumb and stupid out there on his own in the world. And he just hates that. I don't think he like hates the son like for who he is. I think he hates that that son has left and is choosing to be in rebellion against the father, right? And he loves it when that son returns home, right? The son finally decides to humble himself, repent, ask for forgiveness, and come home to his father, to his father's home, humbly, truly, with an act of faith. And the father runs to him with open arms, puts the, you know, the cloak on him, puts the rings on him, gives him the, gives him the good meat to eat, throws him a party. You know, it's like, let's celebrate. It's like, God hated that that son was separated from him, and he loves when that son returns home to him, right? So I think it's just like a whole dang debate to have about what hate means, what love is. Is it a permanent state? Is it a temporary state? Can we overcome? Can we not? Is there permanent separation? Is there not? Then you can get into a whole like dang debate about Calvinism and Armenianism and blah, blah, blah. And like what this means. And do we have free will to choose? Do we not have free? Is this all part of the plan all along? <laughs> you can start having like 12 different theological debates about that one simple little question. But I do appreciate you for bringing that up because that is interesting to ponder and think about. Um, yeah, that's why a correct translation is so important. Yeah, did God really say? <laughs> yeah. The serpent, the tongue of the serpent, gets you to question God and the truth. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's the truth. And Satan will do whatever he can to lead you away from that.
make you doubt that, make you question that. Yeah, reprobates, literally meaning rejected. Reprobate mind, yeah. It's definitely an interesting study. Haha, no problem. It's not something most churches preach on. Yeah, because it's like such a touchy thing to, to talk about and understand. I'm nowhere near like biblically literate and like biblically sound to like have that sort of debate, right? <laughs> and again, like here's my thought. I'll give you my thoughts. I'm not afraid. Like I'll, this is what I think now. I'll stand on it. Prove me wrong. And it's not prove me wrong by like make me emotionally feel like I'm wrong or something. Call me mean names and try to make me change my mind because that's not going to happen. <laughs> but bring up the text. Show me that God says this. And, you know, let's also make sure that he's not, that it's, there's not like a different context going on. You're not like picking and choosing quotes out of context. Like what you're saying here, like reprobate. Someone could bring up a quote that says reprobate mine and like skew it to mean something that it really isn't. And what you're saying here, like, it literally means rejected, right? So, yeah. I don't know. I'm just in this whole, like, analyzing the deconstructionist Christians and how wicked and evil their schemes are and how disobedient they're being towards God and how much damage they're causing. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all under God and under the umbrella of his control. But it's just so bad and so wicked and how how manipulative they are about like making people question like, that's not the truth. That's your truth. That's what you think. Well, I think the Bible means this. And we have to, I have an opinion on the on what this means. So you have to like take that into consideration. It's like, no, bro, we don't. No, we don't. What we have to consider is God. <laughs> we have to like obey as God. What we have to do is follow God, trust God, know his word, understand it's the truth, the truth, and your opinion of it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. <laughs> you are free to have that opinion. You are free to reject God. You are free to be disobedient and you will suffer the consequences for doing so. At the end of the day, it's the truth. It's not your truth or my truth. Our feelings don't matter. At the end of the day, God tells us what it, what's up, <laughs> what the deal is, what we're supposed to do. God speaks, man hears, man, lists, man obeys, right? That's the order. That's the correct chain of events. God speaks to us. God tells us what's up, what the deal is, what we have to do. Man hears it. It's in the word. It's there offered and afforded to us all in his word, the Holy Bible, and God, and, and sorry, man obeys, right? That's the correct course in the chain of events of life. God tells us the truth. Man hears the truth. Man understands it's the truth and obeys the truth. And if not, good luck. <laughs> if not, good luck to you because there are going to be consequences and you know, surely you won't die today, but surely you will die. You will suffer and you will die. And I hope that you choose not to. I truly hope that you choose not to. Like the prodigal son, I truly hope that you understand that what your your rebellion and your rejection of your authority is wrong. It is causing you pain and suffering. And your father is at home waiting for you to return to him. And he will run to meet you when you choose to return humbly and with repentance and he will forgive you. He will put the cloak on you, the rings on you, and slaughter the fattest cow for you and throw you a party. 
and the heavenly choir will rejoice at your return home to him. You can always end your rebellion. But if you want to rebel, have at it, man. <laughs> have at it. Just remember, again, phrase of the day, you will obey God or you will suffer the consequences. You will obey God or you will suffer the consequences. So with all that, thanks everyone in the chat. Oh, sevens. Thank you guys for tuning in, for showing up. Someone posted a Cozy TV link in my thing. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Burger King. Uh, someone else posted some other link to YouTube. I don't know about that. I don't know if it, it could be something great. It could be something horrible, right? Aqua Woman 7. Um, almost like scared to click on it, right? Should I click on it? <laughs> should I click live on stream and pull it up and take the risk or should I watch what it is after <laughs> either way thanks everyone for tuning in I love you guys again I'll be back here next week we're going to talk about this awesome book that you know we're talking about obeying authority the rightful authority that is your God the Lord our Lord our God next week we're going to talk about when it is right and just and correct to disobey your earthly authority your man-made institutional authority when is the right time to disobey and rebel against them this awesome book um, we read for the legion of bears challenge we're going to talk about it we're going to cover it so make sure you tune in until then you know next monday night when i'll be back we'll get into that i hope you enjoyed this stream and got something out of it um learned something or just found my perspective interesting or entertaining at least <laughs> you know if, if you're just seething if you just want to like debate me like hit me up in my comments bro congratulate me thank me agree with me or just hate me and disagree with me and start a debate with me wherever you're watching or listening to this in the uh, comment section i am glad you tuned in and heard me out um and yeah again tune in next week we're going to talk about the book the uh the doctrine of the lesser magistrates it's amazing it's going to be a really good stream as always, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies about my streams and blogs and other videos and content stuff on all the places. Subscribe to me if you can. That helps me out wherever you're watching and listening to this and just wherever else you have accounts. I would appreciate it. It's Seanathan Corey, S-E-A-N-A-T-H-A-N-C-O-R-Y. I'm on YouTube, TV.Gab, BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey, vk.com dlive twitch and all the podcast apps my p.o box and my discord invite link are both in the show notes wherever you're watching or listening to this and you can send me cool stuff write me letters or you know just join in all the fun meme sharing and conversations in my discord channel as always go out this week and seek what is good true and beautiful Make sure to be good, do good, love and be loved. Um, I will see you guys back here next Monday night. Love you guys. Thanks again. Awesome chat questions. Y'all are all amazing. Amazing. You are watching or listening to the Jonathan Corey live stream. Be sure to follow and subscribe to my channel wherever you are streaming this and on any of the other sites that you happen to use as well. 
And be sure to leave some comments or reviews. It would really help me out. You can find my streams on YouTube, Twitch, DLive, Odyssey.com, VK.com, TV.gab, BitChute, Rumble, and on all of the podcast apps. You can read my blogs at JonathanCorey.blogspot.com. My main links are at Linktree slash JonathanCorey. And you can find the rest of my links, my older secret content, and my guest appearances on other podcasts or streams at JonathanCorey.com.